Welcome back. Good to geek out. Kind of a good time to geek out. We're going to cover Invincible Episode 8, the finale, the pinnacle of this crazy-ass show we've all been watching on Amazon Prime. Editor San Antonio, can't wait to talk with my boys here. What's up, fellas? I'm the minority in a minority in a minority. Big Greg, A.K. Bruticus, West Hills, representing. Kenny, Ramona, California, representing. Ramona, California. Don't know why. Sugar free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the reason why. Okay, got it. <laughs> you welcome. <laughs> Boba Fresh out of San Francisco. No, no, I'm not mid-city. Represent San Francisco. No, no, I represent LA in San Francisco. I'm Boba Fresh, though. Either way. Bad. Hey, representing that. I get an optic blast up in here. No, I'm going to put the shades back on. Yeah, I'm going to put the shades back on. From LA, California. What's up? All right, fellas, here we are. We've kind of all been working towards this. I think we've all been on different episodes about Invincible up until now. And here we are at the finale, episode eight, called Where I Really Come From. And you get to see where people really definitely come from. The cold open, the rain of blood on the blades of grass. Shows how artistic this show is, even in the finale. Uh, what'd you guys think about that, that, that short, violent opening? Um, I thought it was pretty intense. I was I was waiting for it. Oh, this could be what's gonna happen next, man. You just don't know. <laughs> and I love the expression on Mark's face when he sees his dad just rip the immortal in half, and he's still in believe me. Like, tell me you're being controlled by somebody, or you're having like a moment or something. You just can't be you. And his dad's like, oh yeah, it's me. All right. Uh, I thought that the cinematic aspect again is really on point uh them just starting with the blades of grass and the like worms eye view which is really interesting considering that he's saying we are bugs to him like we are nothing so like we're like looking up at gods raining down on us what can we do um I, on green earth you know like uh, i think that there were there were layers to that opening scene with it just being like uh, it almost reminded me Kurosawa-esque of just like, yeah, boom, yeah. Like, you know, like the, no, the, 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 the apocalypse was hit. It definitely felt like some kind of samurai thing where like the murder's going across and then you see it come down. Um, we, we do get the the flashback, or this is where, tell me where I really came from, and Omni-Man's telling Mark where he comes from. There, okay. Okay, so... I'm saying like the whole scene kind of reminded me of Planet Vegeta, honestly, because I mean, they're a warrior race and it, it's real apparent that they're a warrior race and the, only the strong survive. I mean, their ecosystem is it's like you got to be strong to survive. If they're weak, then they're going to get you out of there. And that, that reminds me of the whole Dragon Ball Z thing, you know, with Planet Vegeta. So that's my take from it, honestly. It, that's my only reference from it. What I like, what I like too about this flashback, is the way it ends, is uh, Omni Man trying to tie it back to Mark and telling him like this time has come to an end, and it's like what strotter has been saying the whole time about how Omni Man has always had this in the back of his head, assuming that they would become, uh, they would agree with whatever he was doing, 
and especially Mark because he's going to live as long as him. And he repeats that multiple times about his friends and stuff like that. The big thing I want to uh, also touch on is that Omni-Man's planet and action, and this is what you just made me think of, Bruticus. Um, it's a, it, it, it is a, it is a metaphor. It is not technically. It is an analogy for colonialism. It is an analogy for people with way more advanced, superior ability to inflict force and violence to get their way. And like colonialism, countries stretch themselves too thin and like left, like, you know, the Southeast Asia, the economic colonialism versus settler colonialism that you see in America or you see in South Africa are way different. The countries are stretched, the resources aren't the same. So you get one Viltrumite, you get one person going to, you know, uh, Cambodia. You have the special forces in Vietnam going to Cambodia, like a small force that's going to go and expand. And so I think that there's an interesting concept of colonialism, especially with the fact that Mark is mixed. Again, as a mixed person, I'm always uh, taking that aspect in. But the fact that Mark is mixed, and so it makes me think about. Um, it makes me think post Vietnam again about the kids that were born in Vietnam from American soldiers. True. Um, I, I, I do think the ultimate point of this flashback is to show us where uh, Omni-Man's like, uh, mentality is at at this point, and him calling um, Debbie a pet in front of their child um, kind of really sets Mark off, and then they start talking about you know the, how long they live, and the pure blood talk, that's really what kind of like struck a chord in me because just Mendel's laws of genetics, you know, you have a certain percentage chance of being a certain percentage chance of, of your one certain parent's bloodline. That's For just, earth, that's just earth DNA. That's a very humanist point of view. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. He's being very human humanism right now. Yeah, I, I forget who it was who said was yeah, Charter. Like whoever said it last week, uh, we talked about how Debbie was Omni Man's rock. Well, apparently she's his pet rock. Right. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Would you so, kill your so, pet? So, hell no. <laughs> Shit, you got well, me. So Debbie, Debbie lives a good life. She lives. 80 years, 80 to 90 years. If she, if she, if she's healthy, she lives a good life, 80 to 90 years. He's thousands of years old, right? She's more, she's, she's not a dog. She's not a cat. She's a goldfish. And that's the way he sees her, right? She's not, you know, she's not going to be there a fifth of his life. No, she's not. She's going to be there like a 20th, a 30th of his life. So he's thinking, yeah, I mean, she's a pet. You're gonna be, you know, when we're, you're when you're 500 years old, you're 200 years old. No one that you know is gonna be around anymore. Okay, but there's a, somebody in your life you bucked up on, who's your real parental figure, and they have literally shown you why that's a bad idea. And this clearly showed us an Omni Man when he put his son in front of a train, <laughs> like just held his head there and just. Boom, done. I mean, he was doing more than just being a brute there. 
he was showing him the frail humanity that the earthlings are. He was like, I want you to see and feel firsthand. Look, I'm doing this. A subway is coming full speed at your face. You're going to be fine with this. Look at all of the people that are getting taken out by this one simple act of me just holding you in front of a subway. I mean, he's trying to prove that point to him. Look, you're, you're literally, not figuratively, you're literally getting a firsthand experience on how frail these people, this race, these earthlings are compared to you. Uh, right? I think what he's doing is what would be called tough love, except the fact Viltramites don't know what love is. So I think that this whole like quote unquote lesson that he's trying to teach him is actually showing he has some level of humanity the whole time he's been on the planet. He absorbs yeah, the fact that he stopped. In, in spite of the fact of the violence and the blood and everything that's going on, and the fact Mark's costume is covered in blood half the half the time. You can't even see the red or the blue. Uh he's actually being he's actually tempering whatever a Viltramite is towards their child we just can't comprehend that because sometimes we're what did you say uh human centric ethnocentric species centric worms yeah human centric. I, I think also on the back of what you're saying about um about his his lesson to about omni-man's lesson to mark not only are you showing how frail uh humans are he beats him down in several different planetary environments to show him how riddle the planet is like he does so much beat down he on him as a battery ram goes an avalanche on him takes him underwater like i mean dude he just didn't get the switch right that's all that was missing from a production, production from a uh, artistic standpoint it was actually really really smart to throw him into the ocean because it cleaned the suit off uh, and it gave us a fresh start to get the blood back on him. Yeah, it was yeah. hella red. There's a lot of blood on there. Um, I want to say RIP to that one F-16 jet fighter pilot who thought he was going to survive this encounter. <laughs> wow. You know, he, he he literally thought that, oh, man, my, my day is over with. I can go home, get some R&R, all that shit. Honey man said, nope, that was a lie. <laughs> no, he said, you did all this. Just this, just to see you did all this just for him to die. Yeah, sucked him through his damn stomach. I'm like, oh, all right, man. You know he did. Now or in 50 years, what's it matter? Yeah. Um, when it came down to the whole baseball flashback sequence, it was like he had been on Earth for quite some time, and he didn't see a point to being in his son's baseball game. So it, I guess it kind of um, he never had that experience of actually what Billy being the dad was. He always was out, you know. Pretending to save the planet or whatever he was doing, whatnot, he knew what he was going to do. I think that one moment watching his son give it his all changed him a little bit. He realized when he's beating the ever loving crap out of his son, and his son is just not budging. He's like, I will stop nah. who I can to stop you, even though I'm like bleeding from my actual split chin, which I have to say that was pretty crazy to see that a split chin. That's, that was one hell of a wound. And he's like, I'm still going to not move. And he's like, oh, my God, just like if he played baseball, he was going to lose, and he still won. The and thing about the baseball scenario for me was Viltramites don't do that. Yeah. They don't have dads that care and go to baseball games. They literally kill their brothers who are weaker 
um, there is just a different social structure. And he's, that's what he fell in love with. You know, like Omni-Man loves Earth. You know, like, I mean, he realizes what his job to do is, but you know, like there's aspects of the culture that he's always enamored with on some level. And the baseball game, I think was a really important part because I bet you when you do kill your brother on Viltrum, they don't tell you they're proud of you. They don't tell so you you know, so I'm glad you said that. How excited was Omni-Man to go to Paris to pick up that meal, right? That wasn't somebody he was friend. He was legit excited to go to go to Paris to pick up that meal. You know what I'm saying? He was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like that place. All right, all right, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point, actually, because, I mean, season two will happen at some point in three, and I assume he's coming back and he's not going to be who he is when he left. No. He, might, he yeah. might have all of Viltrum chasing him, I assume. Most likely. Wait, wait, we can't get to the end before we talk about our man Cecil. Uh, our man Cecil. Uh-oh. You know Cecil meant business? The aftermath. You know Cecil meant business during the fight? Because he had two buttons undone. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, shit's going down. Uh-oh. <laughs> Shit is going down. That, that, that Tom Ford came unbuttoned. <laughs> Uh, so I, I didn't notice that. I gotta go back and watch that again. Uh, the aftermath of uh, the fight and Mark apparently just disappearing from existence because obviously he's trying to heal, and we know already my blood can't be destroyed, so he's going to heal. And it really becomes a montage of his friends and everyone that's kind of supported him all throughout this series, looking for him, and it kind of all uh, culminates when they finally meet back at the house and he's healed and they all kind of talk and have their asides. Uh, anything you guys want to say about that? Go for it. I thought it was dope. It reminded me of like an old school eighties movie. Like we got to see like, uh, so-and-so grew up to become uh, a judge, you know, like in, in 10 years. Um, it did a great club. montage of not reminding us of everything that had happened but all these story potentials that we have exactly yet still open. And it shows why, you know, the series goes for 149 issues. Yeah. Um, I, I, I giggled and I, I don't hundred percent know why, but I did when Mark answers the door and his, and, and his, um, Adam Eve and his, his homeboy are sitting at the door. And then, you know, Amber kind of lurks from the back, like, like, you know, to show everybody, hey, I'm here. <laughs> no. I, and Mark's got the, he's got the guilty look on the face, like like he's opening the door for like, you know, his actual girlfriend with the side piece still at the house or something, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it was hella guilty. It was hella guilty how he did it. And, and that, that kind of bugged me a bit too, because at one point he was going to tell her he was invincible and she took that away from him by saying, oh, I already knew, I'm still pissed off at you. I'm like, no, this has been the one dark cloud over my head the entire time. And I wanted to tell you forever, but I couldn't protect you. And here you are, already known, and you're still mad. Like, what the hell? Like, nothing pleases you. I, well, I, why I, didn't she tell him? Why didn't she tell him that I already knew you were invincible? That's that the part. Why didn't be, she be a little more understanding? You know what is really important about that montage at the end? Is that Black Samson 
now has something to say at the cosplay when you're there. You just get to turn around on people and be like, now we look like a team. That was that was a great scene. That was a great scene. He did that. That was smart. What he I want to be your manager. Let me be your cosplay manager. And you know what, Rob? You know what? I really don't have a manager because I'm the manager of people. But you know what? Okay, I, I like you as a hype man. I'm like, I, I, I can actually. Hey, Jay, you. did you ever make a decision between Black Samson and Dark Darkwing? Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, did you, you ever make that decision between Black Samson and Darkwing? Yeah, I'm going with Black Samson. He's going. He's gonna have two costumes. One depowered. He's gonna go upstairs and then come powered up. And then apparently he's gonna test people all night and then say, "Now we're a team." Yeah, I I like that whole scene. That whole scene was actually pretty good. It was actually prolific because when um oh my god, what's his name? Rex Explosion. He sees that blood splatter on the wall. Then he got done doing a cleanup that Omni Man and Invisible did, and he tried cleaning that blood. And Samson's like, "What are you doing?" Like he bucked up on Samson, and the team bucked up on Samson. Like we're gonna we'll fight you too. That yeah, was a good. That was a powerful scene. Now for the team, that was a powerful scene. You see, Samson knew what he was doing. He wanted to see what everybody else react. See, that was the whole thing of all throughout the episodes that the team was not organized. Everybody else had their own decisions. But because he did that, he impacted the team where it was like, okay, we'll buck up on you too, Samson. Samson, that's what they're like. Now we're a team. And like, they was ready. They was ready. They was ready to go at it for explosion. They was ready. That's the thing is that we don't think about it, but we also see a huge growth in Rexplosion's character from the first episode until this one. And the yeah. thing that makes them earn the ability to clear the blood isn't knocking out some super alien, it isn't, isn't uh, you know, destroying a super robot, it isn't doing anything super, it was saving people. Saving mm -hmm. people is what earned them their ability to do it. They truly became these guardians. And um, the scene where Invincible just, sorry, that shit was raw. The scene where Invincible just steps on that dude uh, on the rock and the hand just pops out is the yeah. exact opposite of what they're doing in the city when like, you know, they're going through the rubble and looking for living people. It's a, it's a, it, the show is well. Which is why I say this, to, to your point, Ruby, is, I'm, I'm going to say this, see Black Samson emerged as a leader when he saw what was going on. He was like, hey, we still got a job to do. And he was like, hey, let's move out. Rex Flo was just there. He was like, why are y'all going for it? You know, he was just looking there alone. He was the last one. He was like, we got a job to do. Hey, uh, Jay, Jay, Jay yeah. I will say if you want to paint me orange and put knobs on my head, I'll be robot while you do that. Um, but, on a side, <laughs> but on a side note, um, I did like we kind of, I just want to kind of go back to the little part where uh, Mark's with all the friends and they go out and then they kind of superimpose that over the Taylor and Debbie kind of making amends and talking about everything that's happened. The Taylor's uh, drinking that Uncle Brown. Dude, the Taylor, the Taylor survived, man. Who expected the Taylor to survive? I don't think yeah. he knew he was going to survive. I, I, and then their conversation is just is perfect. It's a great ending and it's a great jumping off point. To where though it won't be the same people going forward when Omni Man comes back, which is the inevitability. Ed, you can't be painted orange and you don't get knobs because we're for sure the twins. You could be the clone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can easily do that too. Yes, yeah, yeah. We, we well, we got it. 
You got it. You, you're gonna be the clone. I'm not sure about that onesie. I'm not sure about that onesie, but I can. Nice. We can we can wear a onesie. I wear, wear a onesie. Cool. I mean, we'll look like a, a bag of potatoes, but. <laughs> we make it work. So on to that end montage. Uh, Battle Beast. Damn, that was nice. Uh, yeah. But my favorite, of course, you know, this we've gone through this whole season. Doc Seismic is always my favorite. And watching him kind of become the mole man with moloids beneath him worshiping him. Perfect. Perfect for an insane fucking man. I love it. He's going to yeah. come back crazier than ever. I love it. Uh, what was your guys' favorite part about that last montage? <laughs> Wait, I didn't understand that. He fell into the volcano and he came out with, 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 with uh, Beast. Like, how did that happen? I didn't get Doc that. Doc Seismic. Doc okay. Seismic is also like the greatest porn name ever. <laughs> no, I, I like my the, favorite uh, part is when uh, when he goes back to his house and he's looking at the picture of him and his dad and his mom. Oh. And I'm thinking, there's probably 15 invisible dudes with guns in your room right now. <laughs> well, okay, I'm sure the invisible guys. The white dope. The white room was dope. I really yeah, that part. Cecil's that part confused me. There. That confused me because um, so he said the white room only works by the fact that people who've been drinking the water have been thinking of some kind of enzyme that doesn't allow them to see a spectrum of light. So Cecil poisoned the world so they couldn't see his hidden base. I mean, it's not poison. It's a play on the idea that Americans having fluoride in their water makes them susceptible to brain control. That is a real thing. Calcify your pineal gland. Whoa. Uh, So I thought it was also a great way to end the episode, not only with those montages, but to have... Seth Rogen's uh, dude come back and be like, oh shit, dude, by the way, there's, oh, oh shit, that's your dad? Like that whole wrap up scene was a great, like this shit has been crazy. That episode was intense. There was nothing fun about that episode. So they give us this breather to remember the entire, everything that's happened, but frame it in a way that doesn't continue to stress you out and it actually like gives you a release um and it you know and it obviously sets up uh the larger universe or galaxy i should say or high school uh, <laughs> what's high school <laughs> he wants to finish that rogan is perfect for that like, he's, he's perfect for that <laughs> i agree um all right on that note uh closing out that was a great series. Um, I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed our reviews of it. Hope maybe we taught you something if you went back and watched some episodes. Um, either way, if you like, comment, subscribe. Editor San Antonio. Until next time, whatever we cover. Peace. Hey, Greg Bruticus out of West Hills. Peace out, y'all. Um, Kenny Miller out of Pomona, California, and um, hope you catch the train. <laughs> this has been Boba Fresh out of San Francisco. Thank you for joining all of us. Uh, hope you geek out. Well, this is your boy Jay, and we. <sighs>
From Los Angeles, California. I enjoyed Invincible. I can't wait to season two. Those were Omni Man colors. Oh. <laughs> oh. Omni <laughs> oh. Man's an Angels fan. All right. That explains a lot. 